0: This is Biz. I'm a part-time working mom with a big kid and a little kid.
1: And I'm Teresa. I have a family business, two young kids, and a baby.
0: This is a show about life after giving life. Don't listen with your kids, because there will be swears. This is One Bad Mother. This week on One Bad Mother, boundaries. Plus, Biz really had a nice moment. Teresa also had a moment. And we talked to Debbie Reber from Tilt Parenting about differently wired kids.
1: Woo! I
0: think we're going to talk about parenting today. I think we are.
1: (laughs) I think that's what we're here to do. (laughs) Yeah, but
0: sometimes I feel like we're like it's very deeply like personal. Yeah, and don't worry, there'll be that. But also, it's like we're going to talk about parenting stuff today. Yes, like a real parenting show. Let's
1: learn some things. And be helpful okay. to others. Sure. You know what I want to learn right now? What? How you're doing. Oh, okay. <laughs>
2: um, what do you think I was going to say? I,
1: I don't know, actually. I uh, wasn't ready for that, believe well, it or not, despite the fact that you've asked me that at the start <laughs> of every show, for every show, for nearly five years. I'm hanging in there. I Since we're having the wonderful Debbie Reber from Tilt Parenting on the show today. I feel inclined to share a little bit about what's going on with my own differently wired child. So I've alluded to the fact that we've been having some school difficulties with Gracie, my first grader. And I want to be clear that these are not really specifically gender related issues that we've been having. These are more just about school just doesn't seem to be a very good fit for our kid. And so this has been kind of a saga, you guys, for this whole entire school year. <laughs> and, you know, I'm feeling, I'm really excited that we're having Debbie Reber on the show today. Her podcast, Tilt Parenting, is for, it's a podcast for parents of differently wired kids and You know, we hear from you guys so much, saying so many kind things to us, like how one bad mother saved your life. And I can (laughs) honestly say that the Tilt Parenting Podcast has been my one bad mother (laughs) over the last several months. So I'm really grateful that she's going to come on the show today. And I hope that the show will be helpful, not just for people who may be struggling in school or maybe they, you know, maybe you guys may have the experience of wondering if there might be something up with your kid. But I think for everybody to have a better understanding of a lot of differences that kids can have. And, you know, when kids are having trouble in school and they can't sit still or they can't complete an assignment or they can't follow instructions that, you know, it's not always just a behavioral issue. It's not always, you know, Parents not being good disciplinarians, um, <laughs> which I think you know a lot of people know, but a lot of people you it's know an it's an easy judgment to fall into. It's so easy, right. and it's so easy to, you know, when it's when it's not your kid, it's so easy to say like, oh, well, that must suck, and that you know that would if never if they happen. tried harder, that would never happen never happen in my house. Because that, yeah, but I would also think, at least for me,
0: whenever my kids are, you know, struggling with something. Not only, my first thought is, is it me? You know, and it's some, and you and I have separately had conversations about this, about sometimes it has nothing to do with you. It is legitimately about your child. Yes. And whatever, however they develop, uh, what their developmental needs are, you know, where they are, how they're wired. Yeah. And I, I think it's been, again, one of those like, post-kid life, uh, just changing the way I think about what I see Mm -hmm. or what I experience with kids out in the world and my own kids.
1: So, uh, yeah, that's... Yeah, it's very, I mean, I think just to give you guys a status update of where I'm at with it, because I don't... I don't really feel like getting all into what's going on with my child yet, um, at least. But, I, but you know, as we've said before, this show is about us. Right. And what I am going through right now is very real. And it's, it's basically, you know, many months of putting a lot of energy into trying to make things better for my child right. at school and in life. And we, you know, we're starting to see some some rewards in terms of at home, like our our home life has gotten a lot better and we've learned a lot. Um, but the school situation is not resolved at all. And it's become a real sore point for me. And, you know, I know that I'm kind of in the thick of it right now and that probably a couple Three, four years down the road, I'm going to look back on this time and just understand it as growing pains and sort of, you know, the time where we were figuring shit out. Right. Um, but right now it feels really rough because it feels like sort of the plans that I made for my child and my family yeah. don't actually, aren't actually going to work the way I thought they were going to work. I basically just want you guys to know where I'm at with all of this stuff right now, which is that I'm actually kind of having a really hard time with it. <laughs> there's some days are better than others, but there's just been some hard days recently. Well, I just
0: want to say that you are doing a remarkable job. We have talked about it on the show before that I I, I was really triggered by by what you said in terms of it's not what I imagined. And I feel like there's something really relevant about that. Just that alone, that experience alone is a lot. And I think you're doing a remarkable job. And yes, I do. Thanks, Biz. You're welcome. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. So I had this moment this weekend where, you know, I, I have mentioned on the show, Ellis, my youngest, who's four, needs me so much, he'll be sitting in my lap saying, I need mama. You know, and mm-hmm. I'll be like, "Well, let me go get her. Do you want me to call her? Mm-hmm. He's like, you're right here. Jeez, like, you are physically wrapped around me like a serpent, and you're still asking for me. <laughs> I, go, I need mama. <laughs> the child uh, needs me, which is very nice, <laughs> but also very difficult." <laughs> To, to do things and be a person. Anyway, so weekends are particularly hard and Stephen and I really work on trying to make sure that Stefan is stepping in and you know deferring so that I've got some downtime while he's there. It's never consistent. It never works. We're still trying to figure that out in our house. But there was a moment on Saturday where Stefan and Ellis played for like an hour and a half in our bedroom. Some sort of like monster stormtrooper game. I don't know what was happening, but Ellis was way into it. Stefan was shining uh, with his playability. And... I did the thing where I was kind of puttering around, being like it could end at any minute. So I'm clean up the kitchen and get the laundry in, and blah, blah blah blah. And then I realized it was still going, and I was like, I don't want to spend my time cleaning during this. I'm gonna sit down on the. I also don't want to watch. If I turn the TV on, everybody's coming in. It's over. So I'm gonna pick up this book and I'm gonna read it on the couch. And Katie Bell was just sitting in the den reading her own thing and they were playing and Ellis would like march in and out to go get something as the monster and come back. But like never did he need me. And I had this moment where I was like, is, it was like watching a sitcom where you're like, that's not believable. Nobody does that. Nobody sits on a couch and gets to enjoy doing something that they want to do while yeah. their family yeah, it is doing so their best. Yeah. so legitimately unrealistic that I was sitting there thinking, is this... Is this what life is like for some people? Is this like how it could or should or whatever would be? Like, is this, it was like the opposite of my normal, this is not my beautiful house. Right. Like, how did I get here? Yeah. In moment. But I sat down and I really enjoyed it. That's great. So, so that's, that was what I did. That's awesome. I, I think what you were talking about and what I uh, just shared, I think actually ties in really nicely to what we're going to talk about today, which is... <laughs> A lot of people, boundaries can mean a lot of different things in the world of parenting. Today, we are specifically talking about our personal boundaries that we set up to sort of allow ourselves self-care or space or anything, anything, our boundaries, okay? And I'm using the word boundaries because, as I have stated, I have gotten back into some therapy, uh, which is great. I highly recommend it. Yay! And my therapist keeps using the word Well, what what boundaries do you have in in place? Do you have boundaries in place? How are you setting up? She keeps using this word boundaries. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the first time she mentioned it, I was like, I have none. I'm drowning. But uh, (laughs) what I like about therapy is, you know, something goes in my head and then I chew on it for, like, the week between sessions. Yeah. And uh, I call it homework. And the word boundary really stuck and kind of became this sort of mantra in my head uh, about not only... Like, two things happened. One, I started noticing where I I had, in fact, set up boundaries, and I was identifying what they were. Like, boundary wasn't just, like, an elusive word, and we'll talk about sort of what it means and what can be a boundary, which made me feel good that I actually had successfully done some boundary setting, Yeah, no matter how frugal they may be, those boundaries. And it helps me identify where I needed a boundary. So anyway, I, I thought we could discuss boundaries today on the show. Great. So I let me uh, start with, let's start with, why do we think boundaries are important? Like, it's not so much literally setting up a wall mm-hmm. <laughs> or closing a door. Though I think those are types of boundaries. But I I've been really looking at them in the sense of things that happen every day. Mm-hmm. Where I need to set up, I mean, I guess you could refer to these as like, Routines or patterns yeah, or things like that, framework or framework, something. but for, but I'm using them definitely in the sense of protecting myself yeah. and helping myself start setting up long term boundaries that allow me to take care of myself mm-hmm. better. So a good example is at the dinner table uh, or at any meal. Any meal, it's at a table. Ellis sits next to me, and within two minutes of us sitting down, he starts crawling up to sit. We have like, we have a, uh, like a picnic style table with benches. So he and I sit on the same bench. He starts like crawling up and sitting in my lap, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, nope, you can't. Or he's like hugging me while mm-hmm. we're eating, and, and it makes it A, difficult to eat, mm-hmm. and B, it's just not a habit. I need yeah. my fucking space while yeah. I'm eating. Yeah.
1: He's four, and I'm 44. Right. <laughs> Yeah. We're all in a developmental zone where this should be. It's clear. really hard to use your arms yeah. and hands to eat your yeah. food when there's somebody putting their weight yeah. on your arm or your hand. Correct. It's like really uncomfortable. It
0: is. <laughs> and there's the chance for danger. Yeah. If I'm having something in which I need a knife. Plus, I need him to be fucking eating his food right. or at least pretending right. that it's a meal that he's involved in. Yeah. And so I've been saying, you know, I don't want to be like, don't touch me. Right. Because I've grown as a person. Mm -hmm. But instead I say, at the table, if you would like a hug, you may ask me for a hug. Other than that, our bodies are, you know, we keep our bodies to ourselves at mealtime. Yeah. And that's been working pretty well. Like I realized that was a boundary I had set up so that I could have self-care of eating my own food. Yeah. And set up like some limits. Yeah. So like what I have. So that to me, like to me that like personifies what I think of boundaries like. Uh-huh. What about you?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so, like, I, hearing you talk, it just made me think of how we have these set up in all areas of our life. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. Like, because right. I have those same kinds of things with my kids about when and how it's okay to physically attach themselves to my body. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it does usually involve, like, I've been, like, kind of on repeat like teaching them how to offer a hug to somebody rather than like what they will sometimes do which is run up and attack me with a hug and surprise me with a hug (laughs) when that's really cute and adorable but Mm. if I'm doing I mean there's lots of scenarios where it just does not feel good right and I need them to understand that that's an important part of being a social person right we've been practicing that so that's a type of boundary but also you just hearing you talk about this made me think about You know, like with my phone, when I get like text messages from the world at large or, you know, I mean, there's there's very few people where I feel like I need to reply right away. Like usually, usually Jesse is like the main person where I know, like, it's usually something about logistics for our family. And, you know, we're doing that several times a day. And so it's it's helpful to me when I hear back from him. Yeah. Pretty much right away and vice versa. But like, pretty much anyone else, yeah. unless it's like an emergency, they can, people can call me if it's an emergency. But like, my boundary is that like, I can see a text message, but I also know like, if this is not a good time for me to right. open up my phone and like, you know, draft a reply, <laughs> it will be okay. Yeah. Like, the person can wait, you know, like, I think that's a type of boundary I do too. too. Like, yeah. setting up when and where you, are required to respond to input. Yeah, <laughs> correct. Know? And give output. Yeah. You know, I can take input all day. Yeah. It's the output right. I have
0: no patience yeah. for. Like, that's there, and that's fine. But I think there's something about, say, calling it a boundary, Yeah, which feels like a positive way yeah. of setting up this, decision to like how I'm gonna like interact with the world as opposed to being like I can't do anything anymore my brain is complete this
1: episode easily could have also been called scattered like I was (laughs) like yeah fucking all over the place yeah it's like it's it's also it's like permission to say no yes all the time it is to say no yes this is when and where I can say no and that is and saying no is good for everyone
0: (laughs) right and so I feel like there's such a At least for me, I see a real positiveness around using that word, even though it can be referred to in all these other ways. But it's anchoring me right now. And I don't know why it took me forever to use the word. But again, there's something about using it as an anchor and being able to identify these boundaries. So, for example, if I'm cooking dinner. I'm not coming in and out of the den a million times, right, for the kids. Like, they've got TV. They can come get me, right? Like, that's a yeah. boundary. I'm not doing Katie Bell's homework for her. That yeah. is a boundary. If yeah. she doesn't remember her, I have given her a warning. I'm not setting her up to fail. Yeah. But, I've, you know, I've, I've given myself a list of things that I will do in regards to Katie Bell's homework or schoolwork or anything that she needs for school And then I'm going to pull back. Yeah. If she doesn't ask for it, if she doesn't want one of those things I've offered Uh or Stefan can be president of the book report. Right. Like my boundary is I don't have to be 100 percent involved to still be involved with my family.
1: Yeah, I mean, like what you're talking about too is making me think about how, like, a lot of times there's boundaries that we set for ourselves, but we're setting boundaries for our kids all the yes. time to help them learn. Oh, yes. And so, like, a lot of times, the like that boundary you're talking about with her schoolwork—that's yeah. a boundary for her and right. a boundary for you, and they both kind of serve a different purpose. But they're bo- the, it's but like, the wall's still there. It's yeah, <laughs> just coming at it from yeah, different sides. Exactly. That yeah. is
0: a good point. That like I I had not thought about it that way. That it's one of our jobs as parents is to again and we sometimes we think of it as only being about setting our boundaries for our kids. Yeah. And we don't think about it setting it for ourselves, that we really need it. Like, it's... Yeah,
1: that's such a good point. Like, for example, like, sleep training, or even if you don't want to call it sleep training, like, however you set up beds... Boundary setting. Beds, yeah, (laughs) boundary... Bed boundaries. Boundary training. (laughs) (laughs) Um, However you set up beds in your house and where people sleep and when they sleep and who they sleep with, those are such good ones because it's like it's like helping us all learn what like I I feel like when I first came around to learning about like healthy sleep habits for my babies it was all about like helping them like helping them establish independence and helping them establish healthy sleep habits right but what I realized is there's there's plenty of times where actually what I'm doing is really caring for me and it's a boundary that I needed to set yeah. And and then sometimes that also works for them on the other side of that. Well, right. Well, it's so funny.
0: But so, you're so generous. You're so much
1: more generous. What do you mean? Because well, I'm
0: like, what well, if I think about sleep, yeah. For me, it was all about my boundaries. I mean, obviously I wanted to, to like help my kids learn to sleep. Yeah. It's not like you just are born and like no sleep, yeah. right? Like to teach them about sleep. Yeah. But the boundaries. About, like, where I stepped in and where I didn't Uh was all about my self preservation. Whether that self preservation was needing to go in every five minutes just for my emotional state or needing to put earplugs in and ride it out. And I was on both sides of that. So, like, but the benefit is still that I've set boundaries for them. Yeah. (laughs) I know. It's so funny. I just, using the word boundaries has become so freeing for me and so positive for me because. Once I realized and was able to see and accept and be proud of myself for the boundaries I had already set up, even the small ones like, no, you can't sit in my lap while I'm eating my dinner, which is a really important one that seems small in the grand scheme of boundary setting. Once I was able to identify them, I have found it so much easier to identify new places where I need to put them in, which... Feels like some sort of major turning point, right? As opposed to just like walking through it, you know, through life, just piling it up. Yeah, okay, I'll do one more thing, and it's this and that and blah blah blah. Now I can be like, I don't have to go into the school. Yeah, I. It's okay. Yeah, you know, I. That's a
1: healthy boundary. Yeah,
0: yeah. I can identify these other places where I need to set up new boundaries. And it's a lot easier to do it, yeah. which I feel like in parenting so far, I haven't had as many, that was an easy thing to start adding yeah. to my life. Yeah. Right? It's so true. As yeah. opposed to, I'm going to put stickies everywhere to remind myself to be yeah. a person. Right. Like it, it literally is like, Boundary alert. That's yeah. that's one that I can set up, yeah. and it's and everybody's going to be safe and fine and yeah. okay and right. survive it. Yeah, and the boundary can move, you know, left yeah. or right of depending on what's happening. Yeah, but I have, though I have not filled all that new boundary set up time with tons of self care. I have found emotionally that just being aware of boundaries. Mm -hmm. has become self-care on some level for me. Like, I feel an emotional reward. So good. (laughs) By just being aware of them and realizing this is something I can do has in itself become a self-care thing.
1: I love that so much. I do too. It makes so much sense because it's also like, I I think that it flies directly in the face of that feeling that that kind of builds within us as parents and where it's like, you should, you can do more. You should do more. Have you done this? Have you heard about this? You can also do this. Well, why don't you sign up for this? Would you like to come do this? It's like, there's always more. Yeah. And so I feel like every so often we have to be reminded like, oh yeah, boundaries is also something we should be doing. And that takes us back down. Yeah. It takes things out, like back from spiraling out of control.
0: Yeah, it really does. Even if our boundaries are a very (laughs) small box that we stand in very still for most of the day.
1: One Bad Mother is supported in part by Audible, with an unmatched selection of audiobook and spoken word audio products. It's the internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment.
0: Audiobooks are great for helping you be a better
1: you, whether you want to feel healthier, get motivated,
0: or learn something new, or just enjoy a good listen. You can check out lots of different books, for example, American Housewife by my sister
1: Helen Ellis. That's a fun time while you're cleaning the toilet. (laughs) <laughs> Audible is offering one Bad Mother listeners a free 30-day trial membership. So get a free audiobook with a 30-day trial today by signing up. Go to audible.com/badmother or text badmother to 500-500 to get started.
0: Wow. Oh my god. Oh my god. I saw what you did. Oh my god. I'm paying attention. Wow. You mom are a genius. Oh my god, that's fucking genius.
1: So my adorable six-year-old is the kid who has always kicked blankets off forever. Like, that's just what she does. She just always has ever since she was little. I remember being, like, looking at other kids at, like, two and three and, like, seeing that they would, like, pull the blanket yeah. up and being like, how did they even do that? Yeah. So she still she still does that. But, you know, she does get cold at night. It's winter. It gets cold. And so recently... It happened just by accident, but she. I have like a long cardigan sweater that I wear a lot, and I gave it to her to put on over her jammies to like be cozy in her bed the other night. And she fell in love with it. Um, And so now she kind of like sleeps in it, and it's like a wearable blanket for a kid. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like a snuggie, or it's like I. I think of it as like the like Curtis sleeps yeah. in like a sleep sack. Yeah. It's kind of like her sleep sack. <laughs> I love it's that. Really That's cute. really yeah.
0: cute. Yeah. Plus it's like have a mom. I'm with
1: you all night. I know. It's cute. <laughs> it's I very know. cute.
0: As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I picked up a book. Uh what? I know. I have new book that I'm reading again. It's Cozy, Subway Read. That's so I call my subway reads. They're like the kind of thing that when I lived in New York, I would just burn through on the subway. It was very easy, light, enjoyable reading. I am enjoying it. But here's the genius thing I did. Katie Bell had to go to a birthday party on Saturday night. It was like an indoor swimming party. A lot of fun. I brought my book. And I sat down. <gasps> And I read it during the party. And oh I, I said hello to people as they came yeah. through. But, like, it wasn't a group of, like, people that I knew super well. Yeah. And, like, the hostess is, like, having to deal with, like, parents and family yeah, and all yeah, of that. Yeah. I just sat, looked up, waved at my daughter, and then read oh so much. my God. And the reason I this know that I wasn't a total asshole is that different people, it ran, when I did talk to people, they'd say, yeah. Is that a book? Yeah, <laughs> are you reading a book, yeah. right? Yeah, and like, I was like, yes, I am using this time to read a book. Yeah, and like people were like, that's really good, yeah. and I was like, it is. I just, I, anyway, there that's you go. So cool. I was really I love. It. it was cool.
2: Hi, busy Teresa. I am calling with a winter genius. I have a very strong-willed two-year-old. Um, I guess I could just say two-year-old. Uh, And he hates mittens, which is a problem because we live in the Midwest, and it can be very, very cold. He recently has developed an obsession with puppets, so I've told him that mittens are puppets, and now he loves them. He insists on wearing them. When he's wearing them, he plays, and he'll be in his car seat just talking to himself with his mitten hand. Um, He doesn't want to take them off, which is You know, a whole different problem that we'll deal with, but it's a better problem because his hands are protected. So I felt pretty good about that. We'll see how long it lasts. Thanks. You're doing a great job. Bye.
1: Yay! So cute. This is such a great idea. Adorable genius. It really
0: is. It's one of those things where you think, again, falls into the category of, I'm sure we've all thought of it. No, we haven't. (laughs) 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 So thank you. Thank you, Mittens are Puppets. We salute you. Failures.
2: Fail, 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 fail!
0: You
1: suck. Fail me, Teresa. So we have been finally finishing up the Valentine's Day candy in our house <laughs> and somebody gave Grace something that had lifesavers in it, like the actual hard candy lifesavers. And she gave one to Oscar and he was walking around and he d- is not familiar with hard candy or how to eat hard candy. So he accident. He, well, first he goes, mommy, can I swallow this? And I said, no, 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 you cannot swallow that. You have to chew it or spit it out. Yeah. And he immediately accidentally swallowed Swallowed it it and started making horrible noises and crying. And I believed that he was choking and I totally panicked. I, I did not do what any of the stuff you're supposed to do. I just totally panicked and started screaming. Jesse was cooking dinner. He started screaming too because he didn't know what was happening and he was wondering why he was hearing me screaming. Right. So he came in. Then Grace started screaming. Oh, yeah. I, knew I shouldn't have given him the lifesaver he's choking on the lifesaver and she's like running over like kind of like trying to talk to us about Right. Like, she, she thinks it's about her right and Oscar has terror look in his oh, eyes yeah. and I, I'm afraid he's choking but I can't remember I took the class when he was like either yeah. a baby or maybe I was pregnant with him I can't remember what to do with a four year old Jesse starts like clapping him on the back and he's like ow yeah and yeah. then he really He realized he was, like, breathing. He just had swallowed it, and it really felt shitty because it was too big to be swallowed. And so, whatever, we comforted him, and we, like, gave him a little Advil because his throat was hurting and, like, and water, obviously, and eventually he was totally fine. The fail was just... (laughs) That we, Jesse and I, were awful. Like, we were awful. Like, we we were awful. We screamed at Grace. Yeah. We screamed at, every, at each oh. other. We didn't know what to do. I mean, we did, like, all the worst possible things. So now it was like, okay, I guess we have to, like, go take a, like, refresher class or whatever. <laughs> so,
0: My poor children. So sorry. Yeah, thanks. I am very sorry. Thanks. all right this is just one of those clearly a boundary i have not set up for myself or a a bad boundary i have gotten back into a bad habit of when i use my bank card or credit card i just stick it back in my purse i don't put it in my wallet and even though i know it's in my purse Mm -hmm. every time i go to pay for a new thing there's the panic that i don't have my money yeah And then I find it, and I think I'm gonna put this in my wallet, and I don't, Mm -hmm. and then panic. Repeat. Mm -hmm. Okay, Mm -hmm. and I and yeah, it's such a dumb thing to do to myself. But but now it's a habit. But now it's a habit to do it. Now I can't break it. (laughs) Quitting cigarettes was easier than putting my fucking credit card back in my wallet.
2: God, it's not a
0: a good thing.
2: Hi One Bad Mother, this is Amanda calling from Canada, I'm calling with a fail. I just had my nine-month-old son with me in the doctor's office, um, and i he was being a little bit fussy, so I gave him a highlighter off the doctor's desk to play with while the doctor and I were speaking, I'm not really thinking anything of it. That was my first mistake. Um, the doctor and I are in conversation. I happen to look over at my nine-month-old, and he would somehow removed the cap off of the highlighter and was um, sucking on the tip of the highlighter where... The ink comes out of. Uh, so, yep, yeah, I'm I'm doing a horrible job. I suck. Anyway, <laughs> love the show. Uh, take care, you guys are doing a great job. Bye.
1: I like that this was at the doctor's I know. office. That's the best part. <laughs> I guess, like,
0: suck, suck, suck. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I have to admit that I'm a little like could have been worse. Yeah. Could have written all over the wall. Right. Yeah. For me, somehow that's worse than yeah. sucking on that. Because I'm like, oh, the doctor's there. Right. right. <laughs> it was toxic, but the wall. Yeah. <laughs> well, you are doing a horrible job. Yep, there sure are, are so many more dangerous things in the doctor's office that you could have handed that yeah, child to play true. with. <laughs> Try harder next time.
1: <laughs> you are the greatest mom I've ever known.
0: One Bed Mother is supported in part by Blue Apron.
1: Blue Apron is the leading meal kit delivery service in the U.S. You guys, use incredible ingredients and chef-designed recipes, like quick bucatini... With broccoli and pecorino cheese and Italian-style shrimp and sweet pepper. And basically you go on there and there's all these different recipes to choose from for each week. And you just pick what you want. Blue Apron delivers fresh, non-GMO,
0: pre-portioned ingredients and step-by-step recipes right to your door that can be cooked in under 45 minutes, which is a treat when you are cooking for children. It's a fun way to introduce new foods to the family. And it's also a really fun way to get kids
1: involved in cooking. Blue Apron is treating One Bad Mother listeners to $30 off your first order if you visit blueapron.com slash badmother. So check out this week's menu and get your $30 off at blueapron.com slash badmother. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Teresa. Yes. Let's call someone
0: today. Hey, (laughs) today we are calling Debbie Reber who is a New York Times bestselling author, certified life coach, and founder of Tilt Parenting, a website, weekly podcast, and social media company for parents like her who are raising differently wired children. Prior to launching Tilt, Debbie spent the past 15 years writing inspiring books for women and teens. She has an MA in media studies from the New School for Social Research and a BA in communications from Pennsylvania State University. Debbie's latest book is differently wired raising an exceptional child in a conventional world which will be out this july welcome debbie thank you so much i'm happy to be here we are are desperately happy to have you here today (laughs) uh before we get started though i want to ask what we ask all our guests which is who lives in your house
3: well, I live with my husband, Darren, who is actually in India for the week, so he's left me alone, which is kind of a bummer. But yeah, so my husband of 19 years, and I have a 13-year-old son, Asher, and I have a 7-year-old crazy cat.
0: <laughs> I was thinking she's either like me, where she's really reaching for the age of the second child, but a cat works too. That's totally, totally fair. He's part of the family. Oh, yeah. definitely. All right, well. I, see, I'm being so good, I'm not going to derail us to talk about cats for eight hours. Thank you. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> All right, let's start off with talking about Tilt Parenting, and, which is, again, a podcast aimed at supporting parents raising, quote, differently wired kids. Uh, can you take some time and talk to us by, about what you mean by differently wired and why you chose those words versus, ah, which... <laughs> <laughs>
3: Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Sure, yeah. So I use the term differently wired to describe kids who are in any way neurologically atypical. So that can be a child who's gifted, a child with ADHD, an overly sensitive child, anxiety, of course, kids on the autism spectrum, learning differences like dyslexia, dysgraphia. So I use it as kind of an umbrella term, and I use it because it has a positive connotation. I feel like so much of the language surrounding neurodifferences is negative or there's stigma attached to it. And I also, you know, don't love the idea of us all being kind of isolated in our own buckets. You know, there's so much crossover between, you know, with Differently Wired Kids, a lot of them have multiple things going on. And... Ultimately, as a group there 's a lot of differently wired kids it 's more than one in five, and so I like this language and I like to group us together because I think there 's power in numbers, and I think that we need to make some changes <laughs> to the way these kids are experiencing their life well I, I think it 's also
0: important that we make changes in our language i mean we 've mm. discussed this on the show as well about like how. We can get into either a habit or just the the wording that's been used previously in our society. There are negative ways that we as parents can wind up describing our kids that are really not meant to be bad. But if we get into the habit of using them, I think it affects how how we view them and how we view our relationship with them. And so differently wired, I think, really is a great terminology uh, to use. It's very easy to understand. I know exactly what you mean when you say it.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just the word disorder, you know, yeah. it, it, it has such a negative connotation and it instantly implies that there's something wrong, right? Something needs to be fixed or it's, look, it's focusing on a deficit and, you know, kids pick up on that, obviously, and it's, you know, the way we talk about our kids, if we're leading with a deficit or that's what we focus on, it impacts, how others see our kids. It impacts how our kids feel about themselves. So yeah, I totally agree with you. Language is super important.
0: Let's talk about the misconception around the word giftedness. Can Mm. you talk about how you define giftedness and why giftedness is included among these other sort of we're not using the word buckets, but buckets. I <laughs> yeah. Mind these uh, among these other, yeah, these other sort of categories. Because I, I feel like, you know, on the whole, you're like, oh, gifted. I was gifted. Gifted is this, mm-hmm. you
3: know, is this, it's a gift. <laughs> yeah. Well, not so much. So no. here, here's what I would say. There's When my guy was little, yeah. he was, you know, he taught himself to read before he was three. He was one of those kids. Yeah. Which you know, you would think would be really cool, but along with kids who are highly gifted, there come so many challenges. And I remember talking with um, a parent coach we were working with at the time, and, and she said, you know, when a parent comes to me excitedly and says, oh, I think I think he's gifted, she said, if I hear that, I... Then I kind of realized they're not that. That's not true because you wouldn't be excited about it. She said, "Giftedness is a special need in its own right," and I had never thought of it that way. Yeah. And I, I didn't like the language, the the term myself because it did feel like it had a lot. Um, you know, it was weighted with all these other ideas, or you know, that we thought our child was better than this, or yeah. you know, and and it, that's not what it's about. Giftedness is and is really a different way of experiencing the world. And many gifted children really, really ch- are struggle with just being hypersensitive to the world around them. They experience their feelings more intensely. They usually have, you know, what's called asynchronous development. So intellectually, they're operating up here. Emotionally, they may be well below their peers. And that disconnect is a really it can really be unsettling for them and dysregulating for them. So it is something that we need to recognize and support. And it it really isn't about doing well on tests. It's a way way of experiencing the world that's intense and it can be challenging.
0: Well, Let's. I want to kind of get into sort of your personal experience a little bit if you don't mind. We're going to kind of come at it in two ways. One, you like to ask people who come on your show to share their personal why. So I, I was wondering if you would share your personal why about creating Tilt Parenting and, and shifting your, your work this way. Yeah,
3: sure. So, you know, I mentioned I have a 13-year-old son, Asher, and when he was a little guy, you know, the preschool years were pretty tough. We went through a number of preschools, and that's when we first started realizing that this is not going to necessarily look the way we thought. And, you know, I think like any parent, we had our vision of how this was going to go, and what school, you know, we'd have our choice of school, and we would decide to do this. And um, slowly, you know, year after year, it felt like our options were getting more and more limited because we discovered that he was developing differently, that he was, you know, I got so many notes and calls from preschool teachers and elementary school teachers, you know, he's the most intense child I've ever met, or, you know, this behavior was dangerous, or this was amazing, you know, he was all over the place. But we were learning that he was really difficult in a school situation, and, it wasn't thriving, and we discovered more about who he is. He has a diagnosis of ADHD. He has a diagnosis of Asperger's, and then he has, you know, has, has a ridiculous IQ. So <laughs> he's a complicated kid. And you know, I'm one of those people who I'm great at researching and finding information, and just you know, I get stuff done. And I was so stuck; I couldn't figure out where to go, how to get help. And everywhere that I turned to, especially online, it just felt like such a downer. Like, the websites were not attractive. Like, the book, like everything was, <laughs> you have a I problem, like you, you have a problem. Yeah. It was no. really, it was disheartening. And, and I felt just so confused and lost, you know, and just bummed out a lot of the time. And... So, you know, years ago I was like, someday I'm going to create a website that's <laughs> beautiful and simply designed and it looks cool and you actually want to go there. So, it started as that kind of an idea, more of an aesthetic experience. And then as I became more of a consumer of podcasts and, you know, I was like, hey, you know, I want to bring amazing experts to people like me and and kind of do the legwork for them so they can have access to the kind of information that we need, you know? And so that's how it started, and I, I launched the podcast. It's I'm almost on my two-year anniversary, and it's been so awesome. And probably like you, I just, you know, I geek out over interviewing these people, and selfishly I benefit from oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. really interviewing for myself. This is all, you know, but uh, it's been so great to, to just share the this wealth of information with Parents everywhere who, you know, who really struggle to, to find these resources.
0: Yeah, no, well, that's just it. I, I, there is something about what do we see on the show all the time. Don't Google it. Just mm-hmm. don't. Whatever you're going to Google for, yeah. don't Google <laughs> it. It's not going to make you feel better. You're, you're no. going to find a well of sadness. And I feel like, I mean, you're right. Dealing with trying to find help and resources. Is exhausting and seems to be almost unattainable at times. Mm -hmm. And I have a number of friends in you know with with slightly older kids as they discovered that their their children are really struggling in school and navigating the process of the public school system to you know to fight for your children's rights has been a whole separate journey of Mm -hmm. of work of work of like what I consider. Full time work, yeah. (laughs) On top, it is on top of everything. And I want to talk a little bit about what you guys chose to do, which was homeschool. And I I just want to preface talking about homeschool by saying I definitely, before kids, had lots of what I thought were facts about (laughs) homeschooling (laughs) and what and who homeschooled and why they homeschooled and like. Pretty much anything I assumed about life was completely not fact based. I and mean, it's just, it's just like, homeschooling is just like one of those different things. I, mean, I have books at home right now researching homeschooling, but, you know, because of like, yeah. of, the, of like the environment that's at school. And, you know, you just, you, you begin. To... The thing that I've learned the most is we never know what we're going to do until we're there. Like like you said, you never Mm -hmm. know. We we all think, school, done. I don't have to think about that again. That's going to be totally no problem. (laughs) And then you begin to rethink everything, like your opinions on stuff. And you discover, what I've discovered about homeschooling is there are a million reasons people do it. And it also doesn't have to be this thing that is totally just like you loving the idea of setting up a classroom and yeah it's not that right there's like all these resources and stuff so can you Uh -uh. you gotta call yourself a reluctant homeschooler can you tell us about your process because i feel like the more we talk about that there are options out there the more the less alone we can feel when we're in these situations
3: yeah. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. I was a reluctant homeschooler. And in fact, uh, an educator who was who was a dear friend of mine had encouraged me to do it a year and a half before I actually said yes. <laughs> and I left that conversation in tears. Like, there's no way I can do this. But when we moved um, abroad, I live in Amsterdam now, and we made the choice to come here. It just seemed like we had to give it a shot. We had been through three elementary schools in three years in Seattle, and none of them had worked, two private, one public, and we just recognized something had to change. And so, you know, I'm now in my fifth year of homeschooling, which is mind-blowing to me. <laughs> I, I can't believe it. And the first year was really, it was really difficult because we had to kind of figure out how we were going to relate to each other. Yeah. And, being kind of the control freak you know uber organized person that i am you know it's like i was planned you know out, like crazy and and you know asher while he needed structure he also needed to be able to follow his areas of interest and so you know every year i think we we adapt and we get a little little clear and he's changing right and his needs change every year and the way it looks right now is he does a lot of classes virtually. Mm-hmm. There's a place called the Gifted Homeschoolers Forum, and he just had a Latin class. It's it's uh, evening as we're talking, so he had a Latin class um, just tonight. He's doing science through that and philosophy and. I bring in an art teacher. I bring in a Dutch teacher. Yeah. So, and he, he's really into fonts. He's designing his own font. And <laughs> I know, I love, know, it. I I love don't know it. Why? But I know it's, it's amazing. totally a thing. <laughs> it's, yeah, he's really into typography. And I, uh, through a mutual friend, I found this woman. He met a woman who teaches at the Royal Academy of Art in the Hague, and she's now asked to be his like official mentor. So they're meeting tomorrow. So. It's really interesting how you can follow your child's interests and let them really go there, you know, go deep into it, and then use those as a springboard for other things. And so at this point, my role is, you know, I teach him language arts, which for me is fun because we read literature and discuss it, and I teach him history, and, you know, we've done... The world wars we 're doing u s history this year, but again i 'm kind of geeking out over that stuff right, and the rest of it i 'm kind of like his i guess school administrator. I make sure things stay on track and kind of helping him learn those executive functioning skills on organizing things, but You're absolutely right. It can look so many ways. You could travel around the world in homeschool. You could have your child in a co-op, and they're with a bunch of kids every day. You know, Uh, there's just there really are no limits. There's online school, so they could be fully enrolled and have all their work, you know, done virtually, and and the administration behind it as well. So, and I'm you know similarly, I had my own you know, preconceived notions about the kind of people that homeschooled. And now I'm one of those people and I still get looks (laughs) when I tell people I homeschool. And, you know, it is what it is, but it works for our family. And he's a much happier kid.
1: I have a question for you about homeschooling, Debbie. Maybe it's too hard to imagine, but knowing now what you know now do you do you ever feel like oh this actually would have been fine if we started earlier or like do you feel like it was so key to have those first few years of Asher in in a like normal school setting for a while before you know I think you started homeschooling him when he was like nine or ten or something like Mm -hmm, do you feel like there do you feel like that was the best age or do you have a feeling about when is a good age to start? And again, I realize it's probably different for everyone and <laughs> it's probably really hard to like think about that in hindsight, but I'm just wondering what you, what you're feeling about that is now.
3: I think that knowing what I know now and the kind of kid he is, and you know, even just with his ADHD alone, he's not a kid who can sit still and do any work. And so he was constantly being redirected or told he wasn't paying attention. So knowing what I know now, I think he would have thrived, you know, and would have we would have we would have gotten out of a few years where he was really starting to identify as a bad kid and he was getting kicked out of the class all the time and spending lots of time with the principal. So that was not great for his confidence and he definitely had anxiety in those years. So I would have to say, yeah, but I wasn't ready. So, you know, I had to get to a place where I was ready. And I think a lot of parents do. But That's my oh, question. Well,
0: no, I, I want to jump on this because I, I think that's my immediate question, listening to, to your experience, is, I, I, you know what? I have no doubt that it's better for Asher. <laughs> you
1: know what I mean? Yeah, right.
0: But yep. uh, I am also who I am. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what would this be like for me? You know, like like yeah. you know, Oh, uh, this is. I already feel like I don't have enough time. God, Fizz, you're so selfish. I am so selfish. I am like, and I don't want to be emotionally crushed by like trying to set up something that works and it doesn't fucking work. And I'm like yeah. ah so I actually have two I have two questions about this. One, I'd like to hear a little bit about your journey personally, if you would share it. And two whether you're homeschooling or not when you've got kids that are differently wired there there is some you know parental isolation as it were and i you know like if you could touch on that and like homeschooling for me i feel like would maybe elevate the risk for me to feel isolated so i mean can you just i want to talk just about you for a second yeah sure
3: i like to talk about myself yeah Good. Uh, so <laughs> yeah i mean I will, you know, that first year was probably the worst year of my life. So that first year homeschooling here, and I think part of it is because, you know, we basically left any support system we had. We were living in a new country without friends. So we just went for it in a big way. And this person was so angry with me for having uprooted him from his life. So Mm -hmm. he was not a happy kid. And, you know, so personally, and, and as someone who, you know, I work, I've been independently employed since 2003. I'm an introvert. I love to be alone. I loved when he was in school because I had all day to work on my projects. And, you know, I'm very self, I'm not going to say selfish, but I'm self-interested about mm. my time and what I need to do to be a happy person. And, So that first year, I really struggled. I worked with a parent coach who has an autistic son, so she really understood my perspective. And she helped me kind of realize that I had all these expectations that I should be able to rock this. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm really good at things. Why am I failing at this? Why is this so hard? It's always going to be hard. Will I make it? You know, I really went to a dark place. And... You know, it was just over time, and I, you know, and I still have dark days. It's not like it's all rainbows and sunshine all the time, especially now that I'm homeschooling a teenager who's a different kid than he was, you know, a few years ago. So, you know, for me, I really had to figure out how to take care of myself and and show up for him every day, and part of that is like I get him, I love to hike. That's how I recharge, just being in nature. And so, you know, even just as we're talking, I took him away last night to a national park here in the Netherlands for the night. And we spent all day today, you know, until about three biking in this national park. And I was so happy, you know, and he, it helps him re-regulate too. So I found ways to kind of build my self-care into our time together Mm -hmm. so my needs are still being met um so you know and in terms of of the isolation i mean that has been a challenge and continues to be a challenge because there's not a big homeschooling community here and you know and i live my friends are mostly expats who tend to move back (laughs) to the u.s after being here for a few years so that's challenging but you know i've partly maybe that's part of the reason why I created Tilt Parenting too because I consider that virtual community part of my support and it definitely feeds my soul to know that you know there's a lot of us out there and to feel connected to that it's not easy you know it's not easy and my husband's super supportive and and if I say I really need to get away for the weekend he's good with that so you know if i need to go away with a girlfriend or whatever so i recharge as often as possible because you know when you're spending this much time with a, a kid anyone homeschooling their child it's important that you kind of manage your own energy so you don't negatively impact that relationship well let's
0: talk let's actually wrap up on managing ourselves as the parents a little bit the uh, whether you're homeschooling or not if you've got a differently wired kid i think there and we we've talked about this at the beginning a little bit there's a there's a real opportunity to get into bad places right to mm-hmm. to there's the the burnout of Trying to figure out resources, doing the research, what's the best thing to do? How can I fix this problem? What, you know, like all of that burnout. There's also the stress and anxiety of feeling like, A, it's something you can fix. Or B, like we were... (laughs) We were sort of talking earlier about the whole like before you have kids. If you see a kid behaving a certain way, like it was very easy for me to be like, "Well, it wouldn't happen if that was my kid. I would do this other thing." Clearly, the parents aren't doing something right. Like what do yes. we all know is not true most of the time. It's just the yeah. kid. But as the parent, I would feel like, "What am I doing wrong?" Like I would like. There's a real rut of. I mean, even kids who are totally wired and not differently, parents can get into a really dark place of stress, anxiety, self-doubt and self-judgment. And Mm -hmm. then you throw in the isolation of parenting in general. What can you recommend based on your experience and the experts you've had on to talk about how parents can break those cycles or at least be aware of them?
3: Yeah, I think, you know, Judging yourself, which you just mentioned, is a huge one, and I think it's really important even to just start noticing when you're beating yourself up, because I think we're extra hard on ourselves, because we feel like it's our job. You know, it's really up to us whether or not this kid's going to ultimately thrive, and so noticing when you're doing that and just giving yourself a lot of breaks, and that takes time and it's some reframing of thinking, and so recognizing those patterns so you can stop them. But... I also, you know, I think we need to take the time we need to take, whether that's to mourn what's going on. And I Mm. use that word in my book, and I don't think it's too strong a word. I think it's fair enough to say, you know what, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And that sucks, you know, and that's hard. And I need to give myself time to process that and feel all the feelings that go along with it whether it's disappointment or, you know, just letting go of that vision. And then, you know, when you have – I just had a guest on my podcast, Margaret Webb, who's actually the coach I mentioned earlier, and she's brilliant. And we had a conversation about, you know, those really intense situations where we're feeling like we're being attacked. Maybe we are even physically being attacked because our child has lost it and is, you know, slamming things or whatever. And, you know, what do you do? You know, and and we, she talked so much about the importance of taking the time you need after that to, you know, say, you know what, I need I need some Netflix and a glass of wine, and I'm just going to give myself the time I need to recharge. And, yeah. you know, that self-care piece is so important. But I think I'm a big fan of pushing, I call it the the reset button. So no matter what happens during the day, and I have plenty of bad days, and I have days where I really i am not super jazzed about the way I spoke to Asher or responded to this or that situation. I try to have a moment of connection with him at night when we say goodnight and I push a reset button. And the next day I get a clean slate, he gets a clean slate and we just go on. We show up. I try to be as present as possible and we move forward and with no judging. And that takes some practice, but it gets easier over time. We get lots (laughs) of chance to practice it. So
0: (laughs) I, It's great. I love the idea of the reset button. I really like the idea of we were talking earlier in the show about boundaries and what a freeing word that is that I've recently has been used upon me by my therapist. Uh, I'm like, oh, I know boundaries. I can set those. Mm -hmm. Um, And how once you identify being able to do it, like identifying being able to reset at the end of the night and give yourself permission to reset at the end of the night. That, yeah. that that just feels like, again, this additional weight that can come off of you and permission to be okay and reset. I, I, I think that's really valuable regardless of your parenting situation. That, most days aren't pretty. <laughs> most mm-hmm. days we are not our best. And, you know, it's okay. It's okay. We it can, is okay. We can reset. Well, Debbie, thank you so much for joining us. Again, we're going to link everybody up to the website and the podcast Tilt Parenting, which... Really is a, a helpful and entertaining and beautiful
3: <laughs>
0: place to go. <laughs> and again, the her new book that's going to be coming out this summer, "Differently Wired: Raising an Exceptional Child in a Conventional World," is going to be a must read. So, thank you, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye 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 bye.
2: Pick up the phone When you like all Art is moving now No longer stone When you like all Hand reaches out With a will of its own When
3: you like all Going into a bullseye interview, I know that it's somebody who does amazing work, but it's, it's an actual conversation, and you know, sometimes it gets real.
2: No, but my mother, I remember my I remember when I got <laughs> this is gonna become a therapy session very quickly. Does
3: that make sense? I feel yeah. like I'm in therapy. That was a great interview. Bullseye. Creators you know, creators you need to know. Find it at maximumfun.org or wherever you get podcasts.
1: Hey there folks, I'm writer and performer Dave Holmes, and I host International Waters where we pair a team of comedians in L.A. against a
3: team of comedians in London in a pop culture trivia battle royale. Comedians like David Morgan. There's a magazine in the U.K. called Gay Times, and they do a naked issue. And for some reason they asked me to do it, and I did. And my mum ended up buying a picture of me naked in a charity auction. Um, (laughs) Ophira Eisenberg.
2: And so in the middle of the night, we took a push mower and mowed people's lawns and then (laughs) left messages on their windows in soap that said things like the midnight mowers strike again. Your Mm ass is grass. And many more. Join us every other week on International Waters with me, Dave Holmes. Find it on MaximumFun.org
3: or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Ah. Yeah. I really. She gets it. She does. She's
0: fucking amazing. I know. Wow. I know. What I also really liked hearing mm-hmm. was that she didn't get it right away.
1: Oh, yeah. That helps. Oh, yeah. I
0: sometimes get very stressed out listening to people. I know. Who have, who have it f- figured out. Who feel out. like they, or who seem to have it figured out at least I in know. the moment. I know. And I need them to tell me that it took a long time to get there and it was I difficult.
1: Know. I know.
0: And I don't need that like in a in like a selfish bad way. No. I just, it makes me feel like it's attainable. Totally. I just really liked her.
1: She's great, and her show is so helpful, you guys. I seriously listen to it, like, every day. (laughs) Like, it's in totally binging, like, all the past episodes. There's so much value there. There's so many conversations with so many helpful people. There's personal stories. There's experts. She gets on there with her kids sometimes, and they talk about what's going on with homeschool. It's just an amazing, amazing resource.
0: So, everybody... Run! Stop listening to us right now! We'll be here. Don't fucking worry about it. Teresa, do you know who's also fun to listen to? <laughs> is a mom having a breakdown?
2: Hi, is't Teresa. This is a ranch, kind of a calm ranch, but still a ranch. I'm on my way to work late because I just had to go and get five piles of blood taken out because we are suffering from secondary infertility and even though it took us a whopping month to get pregnant with our first, after a year of trying, we're still not pregnant with a second. And as I'm watching the age gap between my kids grow bigger and bigger, I can't help but feel that I fucking hate the word trying. Is that not the most ridiculous word on earth? Trying to note success or failure, and frankly, I'm fucking tired of feeling like I'm a failure every time I get my period. It is the most demeaning thing on earth to think that something I have so little control over takes up so much of my mental space. I just wanted to put it out to the universe that trying is the worst fucking word when you want to have a baby. It's just awful. Anyway, that's all. Thanks for everything you do.
1: Hope you guys are having a great day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's totally like, first.
0: You're doing a fucking great job. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you really are. Mm-hmm. Two, there's not much we need to say. Yeah, because you said it. You
1: really
3: said
0: it. You said, "I, I trying yeah. is a fucking awful word." Yeah, it. I, I don't even like it being used in so many other situations. I always remember just remembering this old stupid joke I used to do about like talking to stuff. when we all had telephones uh-huh. you know and it was like I tried to call you and I always was like what uh, does yeah. that fucking mean did you like yeah. hurl your body yeah. at the phone and yeah. then fall down did you, you tried like tried
1: to pick up the receiver
0: but it was so, so heavy you just boop, couldn't boop, get it up boop, boop, to your ear I just smashed the numbers and yet it somehow didn't work like when we use trying sometimes it really is not what it means yeah, at true. all yeah. so I and especially related to the experience that you're having. Yeah. Uh, So, agreed on that. But there was also something she said. I
1: heard it too, Biz. It was the how
0: demeaning and demoralizing it is to spend so much fucking time. And energy. And energy on stuff you have no control over. Yes.
1: Kaboom. Kaboom. Yeah. That's going to stay with me today. Oh, it's going to stay with me. That's going to help me today. It is going to help. Because...
0: That is, that is it. Why yes. You may not just spend yes. the whole fucking show talking about yes. this. Almost everything we talk about on this show is that. Yeah. How much wasted, emotionally draining, self-beating up, feeling like a, just a wrung out rag yeah. of energy. Yes. And concern and effort. And I don't know how to stop it. I'm yeah. not saying I know how to stop being concerned and all that. But you're right. We have, and maybe the question has to be how much control do I have over this particular thing? Oh, yeah. That's that's really exhausting me.
1: Yeah. Uh, Is there anything for me to do about this right now?
0: Exactly. Do I need to set up a boundary? Yeah. About this on some level? Yeah. How much time am I going to try and focus on this? I just, kaboom, dropped a bomb of truth in the middle Mm -hmm. of that. You're doing so. Fucking remarkable. Yeah, you are. Really? You are? Yeah. Teresa, what did we learn today? We learned a few things today. Like, for real, I think, today. Mm -hmm. (laughs) One, boundaries are healthy and good. And for me, I spent most of the show talking about that what I learned was... The success of setting one and recognizing that success is like a domino of future boundary successes I mm-hmm. can do. and I thats look like really empowering for me. yeah, so I I'm with I, you. I hope that that was helpful in learning, yes, that it's okay to set boundaries. Just yeah in general. yeah, Th- they don't have to be huge, right? I, so I just that was good. two i i I love. Doing the show to be reminded of language and the importance of language, and having guests come on, or just sitting in a room with you, Teresa, and always getting to be reminded of the importance of language. <laughs> I, but it's true; anybody who listens to the show <laughs> knows that is the case. <laughs> and uh, and we also I also get to learn it from you know our, our listeners when they write and they point things out and yeah. are helpful. That is really great. But like, uh, differently wired. I really liked that phrase. Mm-hmm. I really like the idea of trying to unite versus separate into buckets. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anytime we can avoid isolating ourselves further into thinking we're the only ones going through something or that our experience is so unique it cannot possibly relate to somebody else. Yes, yes, respect the fact that your situation is unique. Yes, but don't let that become something that isolates you into not being able to find help or to just not feel alone. Mm-hmm. So I, that, I really took that away from her. And I just liked her so much. I, I just felt like, oh, there's so many different ways I can reset at the end of the day. And, 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 it, and again, it goes back to the caller, the rant caller. Some things I don't have control over.
1: Yeah, this is all very interconnected. Yeah, I mean, the reset button is really all about boundaries too. Because yeah, it's really all about saying, I'm not going to carry this baggage from this moment yeah. that I'm not sure about forth into my future, feeling like I did something wrong. It's like I'm done. This is done. I did. I did it. I. You know, it's over. <laughs> We're starting fresh. You know, which ties
0: into the whole. It's one less thing I can't control, yeah. so I'm not gonna beat myself up thinking about it yeah. or stressing about it or expending that energy on it. Yeah, cheers, Louise! People, talk about glitter again next week. Lighten up, <laughs> everybody. Few reminders: one, da 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 da. We'll be in Chicago celebrating. The Day of Mothers, Mm -hmm. Uh, May 11th and 12th. The 12th, that's a Saturday, already sold out. The 11th, there's still a few tickets left. We're going to be at the G-Man Tavern in Chicago. You can find out the times and ticket information at OneBadMotherPodcast.com. You can join us on Facebook in the private group or the public group. You can join us on Twitter at OneBadMothers with an S at Teresa Thorne, at Biz Ellis. Review us on iTunes. And you can check out our book and review it as well. You're doing a great job, 100 Ways. You're winning at parenting. You can get that wherever you buy books. We recommend independent booksellers. They sell books too. So review us there if you have a chance and get the book. Give it out to friends and family. Hooray, everybody. You're really doing a remarkable job.
1: Yeah, you are, guys.
0: Shows like this remind me that...
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: It's a lot.
1: It really is, guys.
0: <laughs> it really is. And you're doing fucking great. Teresa? Yes. You're doing such a good job. Thanks, Biz. So are you. Thank you. We will talk to you guys next week. Bye.
3: I got to load down Mama Blues. I got to load down Mama Blues. Got to load mama blue, low down mama blue. Got low down mama blue, got low down mama blue. know that right.
0: We'd like to thank Max Fun, our producer, Kara Hart. Our husbands, Stefan Lawrence and Jesse Thorne, are perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all of these horrible things, and of course, you, are listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com.
1: One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash donate.
3: Well, Daddy and Baby, buss and bite, not go down, Mama. Oh, said Daddy and Baby, buss and bite, not go down, yeah.
2: MaximumFun.org.
3: Comedy and culture. Artist owned.
2: Listener supported.